It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. In today's episode of the Canon Podcast, join us as we break down why the media has been lying about Arsenal. We have an in-depth look at how Kai Havertz is evolving, find out how Leandro Trossard could solve Arsenal's problems, and discuss the potential signing of Martin Zubamendi. Yes, guys, welcome back to the Canon Podcast today. We're all, all three of us are here. George is back. He is a bit ill, though, but he's made an appearance. So we appreciate the appearance. We appreciate you coming up. And Alex as well, as always. Hopefully, you guys are doing amazing. Arsenal fans are still trying to recover after the robbery, let's just say, on, on Saturday. Um, yeah, Newcastle versus Arsenal. They beat us one goal to nil. And of course, it was a very controversial goal, which many Arsenal fans believe shouldn't have stood. Mikel Arteta was fuming after the game. Um, I'm sure you guys have seen a press conference. It was uh, for a lot of fans, something that you know they were thinking that he was saying, and it was great to see. There's been quite a reaction, Alex, since then. Neville, Carragher, they all come out. Arteta's unhinged, they're saying. It's unwarranted. Arsenal are doing too much. A statement has been put out by Arsenal. What do you think? What, do you think the world is actually against Arsenal at this point? Is the world lying about us? Look, um, I'd love to say it was, uh, but I don't think it is. I think I think what we're witnessing is is a bit of a culture change. I think you know we're seeing. Um, you can look back in in the Premier League and look at Sir Alex Ferguson's record of and you know Wenger's record and Mourinho's record. I think we're seeing a difference in uh, how officials are being treated. I think we're seeing the broadcasters and the officials coming closer together. Uh, certainly, with certain TV programs they're doing, mic'd up. Um, you know, Mike Dean is going on Soccer Saturday and all these sorts of things. And I think I think that's slightly um, slightly conscious. Let's let's put it that way. But to deal with what we know about, um, just talk about the incidents. Um, I think firstly, let, let's be clear: is we didn't do enough to win the game. I, I will say that. I don't think we did enough to win the game. And I think that is the thing that we should sort of broadly focus on. Um, I do want to say that before we get to the incidents. But equally, you can't win football matches when the officiating is that way. So, you know, I, I think the statement that Arsenal put out, I think what Mikel Arteta said is absolutely valid and absolutely right and was important to do so. And if you get kicked back, you'll get kicked back. It's absolutely fine. I, I don't understand the football community's um, obsession with sort of making this a, a rival thing. Like I think this this is not going to help anyone. If you've got a, if you've got the standard of officiating that we have in the Premier League at the minute, in the end it's going to get everyone. And that's why I was so vocal with the Liverpool thing. I was saying no, no, this is a problem. 
Liverpool, it will be Liverpool this week, then it'll be us, then it'll be Tottenham, then it, and I don't I don't care. You know, it's kind of funny to like laugh at rivalries, but in the end we have a, a league-wide problem on the officiating. Look, on the incident specifically, I think the it looked out to me, but it's inconclusive evidence. So um I understand, you know, them they're not making that. I think the fact you don't give that as a foul is um yeah, it's laughable. It's laughable. It is it is absolutely a foul. I mean, to the point where I'm <laughs> Yeah, I, well, yeah, it, it's a foul. It's a foul. I won't, I, won't, I, won't, I won't say what I was going to say. But I think, um, yeah, I, I, I want us to focus on um, broadly in this podcast on what we can do better in terms of how we approach the games, in terms of how we can create more chances, because that is the thing that we can control. But equally, I do think it's really important for all Arsenal fans to take a moment and say, look, with this standard of officiating, it's not good enough. And I, and I think anyone anyone sort of saying, well, Teta's unprofessional or any of this stuff, it's a joke because at, at what point do you call it out for what it is? Incompetence, inability to do your job. The fact that Bruno Guimaraes stayed on the pitch with the shove, with the arm, with what he was doing, and then Lascelles has... It's has, has, has it, it, it is a stop. Lascelles has the balls, the gall to come out and say, oh, he didn't shake my hand at the end. Yeah, I wonder why, mate. <laughs> I wonder why he didn't shake your hand because you were slamming him the same thing they did at the Emirates, the same thing they did here. Um, and yeah, I just think it was a, it was a, yeah, a, a really poor from the officiating. We should discuss that, but I hope we also turn our attentions to, uh, to what we can do as well. Yeah, I think Jamal tells us a question in respect, but I think respect is earned, not just given out, especially when you act like, <laughs> exactly. like that. Like, you can't just be like, let's let's kick you, let's fight you, let's kind of cheat you in a sense, right? Elbows to the face and stuff. And then give us respect. No, like you deserve respect when you actually, you know, earn the respect. And I think I can I can see where some people might call it unprofessional from Jorginho. But look, this guy's a European Championship winner, Champions League winner. I'm sure he knows what a professional looks like. He's been there before and he see he can see what was happening, when he, the way he was getting targeted by Guimarães, constant fouls, constant little elbows and stuff. It, look, it's not fine. And I, I think you can see why as, as fans, I said this uh, on, on the interaction and in my video, it's like we feel hopeless. Because you just like we we me and Alex after the game were sitting there going like, nah, like we didn't deserve to win that game, but we didn't deserve to lose that game either. And it was actually a very good defensive performance that people won't talk about yep. now. They won't talk about the fact that we were limited to Newcastle to zero shots on target in the first sixty minutes. They'll be like, no, no, they got outplayed, they got bullied at yep. St James's Park. That's the narrative that's building now. And I actually feel sorry for Newcastle fans because they're trying to obviously build the team up and they're trying to say like we we deserve that win. I'm like, you, you could obviously as a Newcastle fan you might think that, but it wasn't a clear there wasn't a clear winner in this game. But the, the entire headlines would be taken over by the referees. And that's not what it should be. It should be always about the team performances, not the referees. And how many times this season have we already had that conversation? So at yeah. what point does it get boring? And what time do we see change? George, I don't know, sure if, I'm not sure if you watched the game live. But I'm sure you've rewatched it since then. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I had to rewatch it. Uh, it could not, I couldn't get it live. But um, I, I think I had a little bit less emotion. But I was also quite fuming in general about... The match because I said something kind of on X where when you have a situation like a match official that what we did it disconnects fans from the sport in the moment we can talk about football we talk about ways to improve how the coach or the team aren't getting central access no problem talking about that but when you're facing clear cheating it makes it very difficult for you to contextualize your feelings and I'm going to say the word cheating very strongly because in what world is Bruno Guimaraes allowed to elbow somebody in the head, not going for the ball? Like when you talk about violent conduct, that's an assault on the street. 
And I'm using that term very purposefully because in what sport is that allowed? Look, I watch hockey. I watch rugby. When you do those things, you get banned. The last person to do that caused, you know, at hockey, a very famous one and Todd Bertuzzi, someone to be paralyzed. Now, that's not what I'm saying is going to happen here, but the intent to go and elbow somebody in the head is not something that should be allowed. Now he shouldn't be on the pitch. People are now point scoring. Well, what about Havertz's bad tackle? And what about that? Those aren't equivalent. Going for somebody's head when the ball is not in the, in the vicinity is not the same as a bad tackle. They're not equivalent. Another thing is when you start to talk about the decision-making in general, that goal shouldn't have stood. We've gone through it. I think not only is it a blatant foul, but then there's the question of offside where the justification was we couldn't find an angle when everybody found an angle for it on TV. So that those excuses don't fly. And I think when people are upset, they're upset at the fact that they feel that they've been cheated, maybe not of a win, but of a draw. And when you get cheated out of points that aren't in your control, despite coming in there to earn the right to win or earn the right to play, that's when coaches, players, fans, they lose interest in terms of trying to be emotionally invested in the game. And I'm trying to think from a coaching perspective and from a player perspective, how are you going to go in and um, kind of accept the fact that match officials are going to allow that to happen to you? And that's a separate issue to how we play, how we could have been um, more threatening in the middle of the park, how we could have been more efficient in our final action. I can talk about that aspect of the game, but I think what is so uh, frustrating from a coaching perspective is no matter what you do to coach, and maybe you might not always be right, maybe you might not always do the best action of the plan, but when the decisions in the game are taken away from you and they're done so by people that are used to enforce the game, that's when it is a disgrace. It is a disgrace no matter what team. And, and I'm not doing this just because it's Arsenal. If I found another player that was going to be elbowed in the head with the ball nowhere near there, I can't justify that behavior. And people are focusing on the goal, rightly so. We know it shouldn't have been chalked off. But for me, I'm more incensed at Bruno Gimarej staying on the pitch because that's not masculinity. What is this hard man act that you're going to go and run and push Jorginho in the back without him even looking and then telling him to get up. That's not thug. That's not that's not you being hard. That's you being a pussy. I'm gonna call uh -huh, it straight up. Uh -huh. And and I'm sorry about that. Um, but you know, you cannot act that way and then say that you're physically imposing. That's you trying to do an act and then running away. That's like you sucker punching somebody at the bar and then running away to let the security guards get between you. That's what that is. It's cowardice, it, it's minuscule. And you are not a man doing that to somebody. And, and I think the one thing I'll end on, I do agree with the calls that despite all this, Jorginho should have shook the hands of Jamal LaSalle's. I get the feeling why he didn't. I'm just an old school person about you have to respect the team. And even though you don't want to do it, you do it for the respect of the game, not for Jamal LaSalle's, not for Newcastle, who didn't play the game in a way to win. They didn't set up in a way that they wanted to go and gain points. They didn't act in a way that was fair to a lot of the rules in the game. But as a player, you almost rise above that and you, you pay respect to the game when you shake hands. That's at least what I would tell people when I would coach them. No matter what happens from players officiating, no matter what, you shake the hands because that's you basically acknowledging respect for the game played. Not for individuals, but the game. That's the only thing that I would say. 
But I get why he didn't want to do it. I, I understand the emotional aspect of that because he was targeted unfairly throughout the entirety of the match. So I get it. Yeah. And um, I think now, as Alex said earlier, we need to focus on things that we can change. And we can talk about how we can solve the attack, which we'll get into in a sec. But I want to start off with a very important performance from Kai Havertz. As a right-sided attacker midfielder in the Martin Odegaard role, Alex, what did you make of his performance? Because many Arsenal fans believe that was his best performance in terms of the fighting, the dual winning. Um, and we saw a bit of, a, at times, central running power. <gasps> George. Um, yeah, I, um, I thought it was okay. I, uh, the problem with Havertz is you, is you say Havertz was fine today and then what happens is you get two sides you go one who says what he's Whoa. the reincarnation of Thomas Muller and you can't see it what's wrong with you or you get no he's absolutely terrible he's the worst player that Arsenal have ever signed someone says he's, he's the worst player he's ever seen playing an Arsenal shirt and I thought wow you must have been watching Arsenal for what half an hour who's um, the worst so, player you've ever seen uh, who is the worst player you've ever seen um, well, technically Frimpong. Um, Frimpong I, I th <laughs> we'll for Wenger. Okay. Do you think he gets so in an Arsene Wenger midfield without being technically decent? Emmanuel Frimpong was not technically decent, but I'm sorry. Anyway, <laughs> back to Kai Havertz. I think, um, I, look, again, I, th I think what's the, what can Kai Havertz add? What are, the, what are the things that are positives? I thought he added... Um, the 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 timing of some of some of his runs were nice. Uh, physically, he he got up for the battle. Um, actually, I thought the challenge was a yellow, definitely. But I, I think the the crowd and the commentators and, all, and the Newcastle players getting themselves three yellows because of reaction to one one tackle was a, was a perfect example of 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 sort of their mentality. But actually, if you just isolate the foul, it's just a bad foul uh, or bad challenge <clears throat> and, and deserve the yellow. And I quite like that. I'd like to see him. I'd like to see Kai Havertz with a bit more about him, a bit more sort of getting getting stuck in. Um, I think he had a, a nice moment with Eddie Nketiah. We slipped him through, and perhaps a slightly quicker player gets through there. Um, I thought he had some nice moments, but again, I'm sort of left going, okay, but how did he affect the game? Was there a moment where I thought, okay, Kai Havertz slowed everything down and put an unbelievable ball into the back stick that? you know, that should have been finished. Did he get an assist? Did he get a goal? Did he create a moment of space for someone else to do some, some, something of this? I'm crying out for a moment from Kai Havertz where he actually affects the game. And <clears throat> I think um, I think the problem is, until he can do that, I'm I'm kind of not interested in the ideas. I'm kind of not interested in the the dual winning capacity. I'm kind of, because I feel like we're past that. And I kind of feel sorry for Kai Havertz in a, in a sense, because... I almost compare him weirdly to Sambi Lekonga in the sense that I think we signed Sambi Lekonga when the project was about where he was, but the project took off a lot quicker than he could sort of acclimatize to the team. And I think Kai Havertz has come in at a point where he's here in terms of his journey as a footballer, but we need him to be here. It's not that he's a bad player. It's just we need, we need affectation on the game and the results now. And that's the hardest thing to do in football. So... Again, I look at him and I go, it's not a bad performance. It's He didn't do anything wrong. He definitely improved. It was one of his better games for Arsenal. He won, he won his duels. He did his job. He stood between the lines. He played nice wall passes. There was a, a couple of nice moments. He ran the channels, whatever. But did he affect the game in the way we need him to do that right now as Arsenal in a title race? No. So, you know, and then you could decide what you do with that information. Do you start him or whatever? 
I think he's growing in confidence for sure. And I think well, we saw that right towards the end of the, the second half where he was making runs into the final third on the left-hand side beyond. And he, he made some nice runs where Martinelli found him. And I think it was one cross where if could have found Fabio Vieira got blocked off. That's more of what Havertz is meant to be, that player to make the runs in the final third, to open up spaces, and et cetera, et cetera. But, George, playing on the right-hand side, he seems more comfortable. So it poses a question now when Martin Odegaard returns to full fitness. Does Havertz stay on the right and Odegaard chow on the left? Thanks for checking out the Canon Podcast. To hear the full episode, sign up as a YouTube member on this channel or go to patreon.com forward slash the Canon Pod. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.